Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Salen. How's it going, man? I am running on fumes. Um, a long weekend in South Bend. Shout out to my brother for graduating. And then I ran back here to Washington, D.C., where I reside. And uh, now we're pumping out D2 previews. We're bump, uh, pumping out D3 previews. We even got some like Utah State lead stuff, but like some interviews there. Uh, gosh, what else are we even have? We got D1 regional predictions. I have to talk to you now. Ew. It's just a, it's a, t- like a quick, fast, action packed few days. Um, though it sounds like you actually had a, a pretty busy weekend yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah. I had a nice bachelor party with uh, my soon-to-be brother-in-law. I guess that's what he will be. Um, And so, yeah, good weekend. But, yeah, it felt like we had this little lull in the action um, because there was no races. We were just, everybody was deciding what events they were going to run in for regionals. And then all of a sudden, regionals is, like, here. This, like, not this weekend, like, this week, and we have to get going, and then once that happens, then everything kicks into uh, overdrive for nationals, and, like, it's just about to be, like, really busy really quickly, and then we'll stagger out and make it to summer, hopefully. Dude, when we hit summer, though, Uh, the best time for the site, and right now it's still pretty good, ladies and gentlemen. Please, don't get us wrong, but you know what else is really good, Ben? Ben, we got... Thank you. I really appreciate that. I was actually pretty proud of that one. We got so many ratings and reviews, by the way. I think we got five new ones on Apple Podcasts. And why? Okay. Why? Okay. My my Google account is now saying that I can't log in and I can't see our rundown. But what what was the, the review that we got on Apple? So the review we got was surprise find with three exclam or two exclamation marks. I'm losing my eyesight in the subject line. Glad I stumbled on this podcast. Amazing detail and insight. Keep it up, guys. Like that that's awesome. Just to have someone stumble upon it and start listening to it and enjoy it. That is such a niche, like small subset of people that I feel like that could happen to. Thrilled. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But we also got five reviews there. I think we got a handful on Spotify. We're up to 102 there. We're cooking. We're cooking. You know, Chef Curry, uh, except I think they're out of the playoffs now. So uh, maybe not him right now. But um, thank you to everyone. Sincerely, we also got a handful of subscribers on YouTube where we're putting that out. We're going to try to get behind that later in the year. We're going to continue to put out our episodes on YouTube. So please go subscribe there. Watch there. Appreciate you guys a lot. Sincerely, I was. Awesome. Please, please keep doing that if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. But we'll finish that up. Let's move on. We've got some we've got a fun little podcast. You know, we got an, some interesting news. Where do you want to start today? Let's start with some transfer news, and that is what we've reported on the site already. Usama El Bushabi going to Alabama, the stud D two eight hundred meter star who. I think I've made this point several times, probably could be argued as the best 800 meter runner in the country. Um, and that could go for pros right now um, as well. Headed to the SEC, not where we expected Texas A&M or Texas, but going to Alabama where he instantly bolsters their middle distance group to a infinite degree. Um, and he become he'll become one of the D1 favorites, if not the favorite for the event next year. Surprise factor one to ten. Uh, I'll go like six or seven. I, I just I, I didn't I didn't see this hat. I'm not like stunned like because it's Alabama. They've attracted big stars from the D2 Juco level before. This just didn't seem like the hand-in-glove fit in terms of an 800-meter star going somewhere where they've traditionally skewed 1,500 and up for their big star transfers. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I think Alabama very clearly is trying to win an SEC title. Like They're a very good, well-rounded track and field program. Um, but the 800 has never really been like their marquee event. They had Jacob Lamb, I think last year on 146. That was He was not really at the same level as a few other guys who were maybe running 146. But regardless, he was a great talent. 
but the 800 has never really been their focus. And I, I think this is a, a track and field, like try to win an SEC title, try to get someone who's going to get them points on the national stage. And I think that's what it's positioned to be, especially if he's going to be there for multiple years. That's a huge guy to have and rally around 10 points for. Um, and I also imagine that I think the Alabama guys, unless they're missing something, I would believe that all three of those Alabama distance guys, the Kip Sang, Kip Rop, and uh, Chariot, uh, and I know I'm butchering that last name, but if so I'm assuming they're all coming back, and if that is the case, then it tells me that this scholarship, assuming that he, I'm sure he got a scholarship, um, I would be surprised if he did not. I'll, yeah, I'll be surprised if he did not. That that in a in a you know a, a bag of cash, which is just yes. a joke, um, or maybe not. I don't know, but just NIL. A joke. It, it could be legal. Yeah, NIL, it could be legal. You never know. Um, I imagine that it's just not associated with the cross-country aspect of that scholarship allocation that Alabama has traditionally been establishing. So, um, a great pickup for Alabama. Like, if I'm Bama, I see no downsides at all. And frankly, if I'm El Pacheco, I mean, you're still you're running in the SEC. Like, you're competing against the best of the best of the best of the best. This is where the best 800 meter runners are. It's maybe just as deep as the ACC, but the top end. I mean, this is a guy where, like, if you want to face the best, SEC is going to get you that point. Well, especially when Texas joins the conference too. True. Like, like the Big mm-hmm. Twelve, I think you could make an argument is the best of the best um, from from okay. year to year um, sure. with Iowa State and Texas. But I, oh yeah, from an Alabama perspective, this is a home run. Like this is this is a no brainer. If you if you have the opportunity to get them, you get them. Like like you said, from a conference, from a national perspective, like point perspective, he's going to become a, someone who's going to come in. And at the bare minimum, give you six plus points in every competition he's in. Like, and that that is too good to pass up on. I think from his perspective, it's it's more of an interesting thing. Where, sure, you're you're obviously going up in competition. You're going to get a race wherever you want against whoever you want um, with Alabama's schedule and resources. But I, I just I don't see him having obviously that's that guy and maybe it'll be Kip saying who will train with a, a lot but I he doesn't have that kind of 1a or 1b partner um or a traditional like 800 meter powerhouse program that he's going to so that that's a little bit of the surprise there but um overall I think uh, home run by Alabama if I was grading Bushabi I would say like b plus yeah I mean I don't think I don't think this is like I I don't think there's like a ton of like negatives per se for either side but I agree I, I don't think this was the initial fit that we suggested I don't think we thought that this would be where he lands um doesn't necessarily make it a bad bad no. fit by any means but I think it's clear that like Texas Texas A&M and RIs were probably the best fits on paper um so yeah we'll be interested especially now that Texas gets to face this guy now Every year, so assuming that they come is that in, next year or is and it I was going to ask that same. I think it's next year. I don't know that for a fact. I I think it is, um, but yeah, we'll see. Do we want to move on to the other big news of the week? Let's do it. Yeah, Indiana hiring Eric Hines, and I'm realizing I don't have his official title up, so you're going to have to. He's the uh, uh, going to be the distance coach uh, for Indiana. Came from, uh, well, obviously, uh, Northern Arizona. He was the coach who pioneered the Northern Arizona men to their first NCAA cross-country title back in 2016. Left to go to Houston with his wife. His wife, uh, I believe Casey Hines, is a uh, very accomplished teacher. Uh, there was a, a very key career opportunity for her in Houston. He was at St. Thomas University, or University of St. Thomas, one or the other, um, in Houston, uh, began the track and field programs there uh, at the varsity level. Left a vendor to Louisville, and now has uh, he's been at Louisville since March of 2021, I believe. Um, and now he is now taking the Indiana job. Um, I am going to hijack this this conversation a little bit. I will just Go say um, this was something that I've heard. Heinz's name was being in consideration. What I was told, and I'm we have not reported this on the site for because I, I just want a couple more sources on that, or at least one more source. But I feel extremely confident in saying that Ben Thomas, the former Oregon, Virginia Tech coach, very accomplished, one of the best coaches in the, in the NCAA entirely, um, he was being considered for the job. Um, undoubtedly, he was being considered, he was being viewed. In fact, 
from what I have been told, Indiana wanted Ben Thomas. They were interested in him. Um, there is another school in play. Uh, that school has supposedly and rumoredly uh, caused some mix-ups, and that is ultimately what allowed Indiana to go then uh, choose Hines. I'm not reporting that yet because I want a little more info on that and I want a little more sourcing to back it up, but I do feel confident saying that Ben Thomas was looking at Indiana being considered by Indiana, um, which makes this hiring that much more interesting because from my sources and from what I've been told, it sounds like then that means Ben Thomas could be uh, heading elsewhere soon. Well, yeah, I think you can connect the dots of saying Thomas probably has a little higher stock than Hines at the moment. And I, I think it makes sense that Indiana possibly was prioritizing him over Hines. And if they ended up landing on Hines, which I still think is a great hire that you could connect the dots to Thomas may have security elsewhere. Um, but yeah, a really fascinating hire um, for Indiana as they kind of move on to this new era for the program. Um, I, I think it's a really good fit for both uh, coach and team. Um, I, I think the the little note that you had at the end of the article about um, Camden Marshall, I think is mm-hmm. also very significant that he will be staying at Indiana after this hire, which I think is very significant. Um, and, and I think Indiana just needed a refresh. I think they needed a, a new new face in there. Um, I think he's going to, obviously, Heinz brings great experience from his NAU days. He, he has uh, great experience from a plethora of other coaching jobs. Um, I don't think you'll find someone who's traveled quite as much as he has. Um, and I, I think that'll be very beneficial. I'm sure he's going to be able to recruit well. Um, and it'll just be fascinating to see how quickly he can get them back up into maybe a top 10 uh, contender status and for this. Is it like for this fall or next fall? Like how long is that going to take? I'm curious to see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, and I like all the points that, that you made there. I just, before I go on my tangent, just want to say, um, we just from the Ben Thomas perspective, all of this, I'm not reporting anything further other than he was yeah. just interested there. So in, in, any suggestions are just thoughts, speculations at this point, but some, you know, there's clearly an interwoven web related to that, that yes. coaching uh, ripple effect there. For Hines, though, I mean, this is, I think it's a really good, smart hire. It's no surprise that a day before or two days before he gets hired, you know, we're able to say that Cam DeMarshall's Cam DeMarshall's coming back. Like, clearly, that was a hire that saved him from probably leaving. Yeah. Uh, again, speculation, but probably seems safe to say. Um, you, you just look at what he brings to the table. It makes me wonder, though, Indiana has been a pretty balanced program. They've had cross-country mm-hmm. success, middle-distance success, but a lot of it has been middle-distance. They have been an 800-meter powerhouse, right? Like They've had you know middle-distance guys who have you know been great before uh, Camden Marshall um, and, and success in other events as well. And it makes me wonder, Hines being a cross-country guy, uh, but only being the distance coach, like what kind of sway, influence, recruiting, how much money is he going to have to work with? Like what does that look like for him and how fast can he kind of build this team? And it makes me wonder, like are we going to see a more endurance-centric program now that he's there? Yeah, and I think that's why the Thomas fit would have made a lot more sense, mm-hmm. bringing in a more middle distance, uh, someone who's viewed as more of a little bit of, uh, more of a middle distance coach than Hines, who from the NAU background had a bunch of 5K, 10K guys. So I, I could absolutely see them heading in that direction. And if they want to be more competitive in cross country, I think they're going to have to be. I mean, if you look at a lot of these top tier uh, cross-country programs, a lot of them very much skew towards 5K, 10K guys. They're, they're, there's very few that can kind of um, split the difference there of having a wide range of 800 to 10K guys. Um, and some programs are able to do that, but a, a lot of programs are able to improve a lot in cross-country by just making sure they're focusing on that endurance side. Yeah, and I do also feel confident in saying that Indiana is going to lose a, a couple guys. Like, there's one mm-hmm. or two dudes I know for a fact that they are going to be losing. So I don't 
I don't want to say this is going to be a rebuild, but I don't think this is going to be an overnight like revamp yeah. either. Um, that's my guess. Um, again, and I don't know what the resources are there for that Indiana program, but I mean, I do like the hire. I mean, like, especially if you are going to try to really invest and move in that cross country direction, um, that'll be an interesting fit, but um, a lot of implications. So I'm, I'm very, very excited to see how this unfolds. It could be as soon as the next couple of weeks, it could be as soon as July or August. I don't know, but it could be interesting. I know we had such a big coaching carousel last year and, and maybe two years as well, two years ago as well. Do you think we're going to see a lot of uh, some musical chairs going on this year as well? I, I do, actually. In fact, I, I'm pretty confident. I know I have one, probably two um, insights from coaches who are heading elsewhere from okay. from pretty established programs, I should say, like programs that you would not be uh, surprised to see on the national stage for cross country. So um, I know for a fact there's two. Um, now, granted, some are in distance roles, assisting coaching roles, yeah. things of that nature. Of course. But, um, but yeah, there, there but are some moves going to happen. That's all it takes is like two people leaving decently high profile jobs. And then that just gets the whole thing spinning because those programs are going to hire from other good programs. And then those programs are going to have to hire like it it kicks it all off with just one or two. I know we've seen that before. So yeah, first little trickle of news here with Heinz. And I'm very excited to see uh, what the rest of the landscape looks like in the next few months. Yeah. So he was great. And I'm just happy he's back at this kind of level. Yeah. Like Louisville, they're not going to invest in distance runners. They just aren't. Um, so to kind of see him now have his spot in Indiana is, is, is nice to see. So yeah. Absolutely. Let's move on to talking about some of our reactions to uh, the regional declared athletes list. So some of the scratches that we saw, some of the uh, decisions to not scratch. I think we also saw some of those that were very, very interesting. Um, Let's start at the top. The biggest star in our sport, Caitlin Tui. She is scratching the 10K and deciding to go do the double in the 1500 meter and the 5K. We had had a lot of speculation about this, especially after I think a post-race interview that saw her talk about considering doing the 1500. We wondered if that meant she was going to do both or just do the 15. Turns out it is both. I, I think you're a lot more optimistic in her chances to do, do the double than I am. So with that in mind, do you think this is a good decision for her? I think it's a good decision. I don't know if I'm that – I think I'm definitely op- more optimistic. I don't know if I'm that much more optimistic. Okay. I don't know if she's the, the, what, the which, single which event, which event? Which event do you feel better in? Let's start with that. If she, well, it depends if she was fresh. If she was fresh, I'd say the five k. But she's not going to be course. fresh. Yeah, that's and that's that's the the hard part, right? I mean, I and I think at that point, I would say then the fifteen. I just feel like it doesn't really matter what Plord or Appleton or Thornton bot or whatever throw at them. I just think if she's fast enough and she can run four oh six, she will win. Um, that's pretty much my thinking. I can't imagine she loses the fifteen. It's but like. Also, like the women, someone if like if I'm plored in that fifteen hundred field, who's also doing the fifteen five k double, yeah. you have to be like, I'm gonna make this fast for you. Like, I like I, I think the women in the fifteen want that race to be tactical, and I think the women in the five k want the race to be fast and aggressive. Gives them the best chances of beating Tui. The fifteen, I don't think anyone's beating Tui. Um, I think if it's tactical, I, I think there there's a little bit more of a chance there and, and what do, to beat Tui. To beat Tui. Well, I mean, I, yeah, yes. Uh, if yes, I'm Florida, yeah. I would almost prefer it to be tactical. No, and I, and I agree. I, I like I say, I I, yeah, I think yeah. they want that. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I think they want, and the 15, I think they want to be tactical right. because if it's just a test of fitness, Tui will yeah. Tui will beat them. I'm just saying, even if it is tactical. Tui's likely going to be one. Yeah. So, Tui's probably still going to win. Like it's this is not. A, I don't think we should overcomplicate this. I don't want to doubt her, and for that reason of not wanting to doubt her, I'm scared to be like, I don't know how she's going to do on the double on the same day. It's a very scary thought, and just I just don't know. So I agree with you mostly on the the fifteen hundred. I think she's the heavy favorite. I, I think there are some very good challengers though. And I think it, it, 
is shaping. I think the 1500 meter is shaping up to be a better field than the 5k because all these women are going to be fresh. And I, I, the 5k, and and I mean, we can get into, maybe get into this a little later or we can get into now with Olamame and Chilean got scratching the 5k in favor for the 10k. You lose a lot of firepower in that 5k and the firepower that is there in the women's 5k is now a lot of them aren't necessarily going to be fresh either. Obviously, the one exception to that, Parker Volby, who I think is probably the biggest winner out of all of this, um, <laughs> uh, because like there is, this is as clear of a runway for an NCAA title that she's going to have while two is in the NCAA. Like this is it. Um, I, she'll probably have better chances if Tui ends up going pro by the end by the beginning of next outdoor season. But this is a huge opportunity. A lot of the top contenders are either scratching or are not going to be fresh. This is her opportunity to make it fast and make see if she can drop Tui. With that said, I, I don't see her doing that. And I think Plord and could end up being very uh, a very good challenger. But I don't trust her ability to double nearly as well as, as Tui. So who's your favorite in the 5K? I, I think it still is Tui, but yeah. I think, like, it's very slim. Like, I I, I would say she has an over 50% chance to win, but I don't, I, I would not go a lot further than that. And I think that's a fair assessment. Again, it's, and it's not like, I don't ever want to, like, I'm so sick of doubting her <laughs> and then just getting destroyed. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's that we're doubting her. I just think it's like, we just don't know how she does on a single day double against the best women in the country period like it's it's not it's not that she isn't individually the best 5k runner or individually the best right. 1500 runner we just don't know how she'll respond and we don't know how fast that 1500 is going to be if the 1500 if she has to run 406 which i feel like she'll probably have to run 409 maybe 410 like that's not easy if she has to do that then like that's not going to be an easy 5k and even if parker volby isn't you know, clicking at a hundred percent, even if we still have ongoing injury concerns, Parker Volby is like, I'm going to hit the gas. And she's going to run 1520. Like you're yeah, going to have to run faster than 1520 to beat her. And that's a big ask for anyone. I mean, there's remember, a reason why, there's a reason why this double doesn't get even tried hardly ever and much less yeah. successfully done. Well, and, and that's, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. I'm like, you know, fifteen twenty. Like we we don't give. You know, we we don't think about a time like that twice. But ten years ago, we'd be like fifteen twenty. No, way. like it's never going to be that. Like fifteen twenty has now become the new fifteen thirty, right? Like it's just a different level. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I I think she's favored about. We will see. What did you think about Plord's decision to do the same thing? Because I, I think we have differing opinions here. I um, I understand it. Like I I get why you love it. I I I'm guessing you love the confidence. Like you love just the putting yourself in two opportunities. Like, uh, yeah, yes, and no. Okay. Yes, and no. Yes, the the fact that she has two opportunities, but. It also it also depends on how you look at this. From a fifteen hundred perspective, I think the fifteen hundred is her best event. I think it in a world where Tui doesn't exist, she's yeah. the national title favorite, and she's going to be completely fresh for that. I, if she had the due to the five k beforehand, I would not have liked this. But she does the fifteen beforehand, so I like it more. The problem is that the I didn't think Tui would still. I didn't think Tui was going to do the 1500 5K. I thought Tui was going to do the 5K. So if Tui is now tired on the 5K, it yeah. makes things different. Like, it's, again, a gamble. That's why we were like, tell, like, figure out what she's running. So it's it's not Plort's fault. She couldn't have known. No. So I, it depends on how you look at it. I think given the information that she had, I think this was probably the best decision she could have made. Yeah, I mean, I think this was always the likeliest just because she's going to give herself two cracks at the two bites of the apple and the 15, like you said, 1500 meter comes first. Um, With that said, I really wish she would have just done the 5K. 
Like, I think that would have been, I think that race becomes so much more interesting if she's just running the 5k. Okay, well, do you think she, you wish she did the 5k or do you think she should have done the 5k? I think she she should have. I think, I think I, I, but that's with, in hindsight, like that's knowing what we know now, like about what Tui's doing. So like, I can't blame her. Like you were saying, can't blame her for, if she didn't know, then I, I think this is like your safest option to do this. But if you did know this, then you, it, she should have picked the 5k. Like, I, I think that gives you a really, really good chance at winning. Um, and I think set gives you, I think there's a lot less variables in running a fresh 5k than trying to compete in two rounds in the 1500, where there's a lot of really competitive women in that 15. Yeah. I, I, I think this is a no one wins, no one loses discussion slash argument. Like I don't, I I think it just kind of depends on how you look at it. Uh, Like in the end, the correct answer was probably to be fresh for the 5k. The safest and like the right answer was the, 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 the best answer was fresh for the 5k. The safest and correct quote unquote answer with, with the limited information that she probably had was the 15 5k double. Um, if she had just done the 15, I think that would have been a terrible decision. And yes. I think that's smart what she did, but I, I just don't, I don't think there's anyone, any way we could have known, she could have known, et cetera, so on and so forth. Agreed. Um, let's transition to talk about the men's 5K, 10K, and let's start with Drew Bosley scratching out of the 5K, still in the 10K. Um, I think we had talked about him being on crutches in some Instagram photos. Uh, but that did not deter him uh, to still run the 10K. Where are you at with Bosley? You like this? What are you? How do you? What confidence level do you have in him even making it to nationals? I, I, mean, I have no clue. I have no clue. Outside of anyone who actually knows Bosley, the NAU program, or anyone in the NAU program, I have no clue. Like, is he fit? Is he healthy? Was it just a joke that he's on the crutches? I Probably not, <laughs> but, like, and, and that's, like, why we didn't report it. I didn't get, like, firm, concrete answers as to why he was on the crutches, and so I just didn't report it. Um, I don't know. I just have no idea. I, I like... The, the 10K is harder than the 5K, or longer than the 5K. It's yeah. more aggressive on your body. So, like... I guess that's a good sign, but like I'm, you're splitting hairs here. Like I have no idea. Yeah. It's a weird thing. It's like, if he's healthy, just do it. Um, and if he's not, then don't do it. I, I mean, I guess it's a lot less taxing on your body to have to go through the regionals of, and then like, if you're going to make it to nationals, it's one less race for you. Um, but well, I, yeah. I guess I just mean like, like if you're worried about like injury, then like you do the event that's half the distance kind of thing. But yeah, like, even, I get again, that too. Like I'm just, and that's you know, and I'm just kind of making stuff up now because if you're healthy enough to race one event, you can probably do any event, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel. I feel like I'm missing something here. I feel like yeah. I'm missing something. It's it's a weird weird uh, I think decision and. It, I mean, he's going to be there, and I think that's exciting that we're going to get to watch him race. I just, it, it doesn't seem like he's going to be a contender, and, and we can kind of, and coming into the season, he would have been the favorite or one of the favorites in this event, um, and now we're sitting here wondering if he's even going to make it out of regionals, which I think is, is just a, a very strange place to be with him. He did miss regionals last year in the 5K, or miss nationals last year in the 5K, didn't make it out, right? Was that, is that true? Am I making that up? I'm pretty sure he missed it. Because I'm pretty I, sure, like, we, we all I feel had, like, like we all, pre- did we all predict that or something? Like, I it can't was something remember. absurd. Like, so many of us, we had like five of us, and like three of us predicted <laughs> him not to make it. And yeah, he didn't make it out of the West Regional. Uh, he was 16th in 1342. Uh, interesting. Um, so we'll see. I mean, that was obviously not related, probably, to what was. Yeah going on now but um yeah let's talk about though the guy who scratched the 10k yep. for the 5k brian Fay scratching out of the 10k for the 5k please tell me you love this as much as i do 
Yes, uh, initially I was like, would have loved to have have him have two opportunities. But when you think about, he's not going to have to run a 10k at regionals. He's not going to have to run a 10k before uh, at nationals before his 5k. He is going to be fresh, and and this is his opportunity to win a national title. Like you, if if Dylan Jacobs, you you feel like he's got a a, a stronghold on the 10k, and then he's going to have to come back after running that 10k and, and try to compete in the 5k and you can come in at it fresh and you already felt like you had a chance at beating up pretty much anybody in the country in any race but now you're racing against half of them that aren't fresh or at least have one race under their belt i i i love it and and there is no excuse at this point like he it, i'm not saying he has to win but he needs to finish. I'm saying top. he has to win. He, he needs I'm to finish to top three. Like he like there, it will be a failure if he does not finish in the top three. He's too good. He's too talented. There are no excuses at this point, and that's coming from someone who is his biggest defender and has always loved his talent. But this this is it. Like this is where we were at with the Sixers all year. This is the opportunity, <laughs> and they blew it, and they broke our hearts. And I feel very similar to Faye. like we've seen the flashes, we've seen the windmill dunks at times, but we need to see it finished off. That was beautiful. Well put. The <laughs> difference is that Andy Powell is a much better coach than Doc oh, Rivers obviously. ever was. Yeah, I'm so happy he's gone. Doc oh, Rivers, that is not Andy Powell. Um, anyways, um, I think it's top. Like he has to be top two. It depends on how you feel about Dylan Jacobs on the on the double things of that nature. Or maybe someone else comes out of there in the five yeah. k. Yeah. I don't trust Nico Young this this no. year in twenty twenty three. I just don't trust him. Um, frankly, I didn't really trust him a whole lot to begin with there. But he's like when he's at his best. Nico Young is at his best. He has to be in the conversation. He should be in the conversation. But he hasn't this year. Not yeah. on the track. Um, I, I just look at the field. I'm like. Faye doesn't have an excuse. Like he should be top two, and I think he could even be argued as the favorite for the national title. All of these guys are doubling. Like Kip Rob is not even in the five k at all. Like when I and I take a look at some of these other things. So let me let me bring back one second here. J- Jacobs, Hicks, Klinger, Robinson, Kip Rob. Or yeah. either well, the, everyone except Kiprop is all doubling back in the five k. You know, Kiprop's not even in the five k. Really, the only one top contender is is Young, who's fresh for the five k. And again, we I don't think we see him as a title contender this spring. So, I, to me, I'm like I think is Faith the title favorite? I I don't know. I think you can. I I think he kind of should be. Like I I mean. You, you put it together all the different factors, and I, I don't think there's a reason why he should not be the favorite. Like, he's beaten the people that he should beat all year, shown great flashes, run great times. Like, it, it's all sitting up for him. Like, it, this, like, like I said with Parker Volby, this is, this is the opportunity. Everything's lining up. The stars are aligned. You have an easy path, quote unquote. This is this is the opportunity for Faye, just as much. Wouldn't it be just quickly going back to Volby, couldn't wouldn't it be wild if the year where she's like dragging her yeah. leg and clearly not healthy is the year that she beats two and wins a national title? Like, but we we both said though, she's ahead of schedule compared I, to last okay, year. Okay, okay, yeah. The difference is that when we said that, we didn't see her limping no. across the line. Like Gr- granted, that's true. But again, she's racing earlier and faster this year than last year i'm 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 in agreement with you but when i see someone with a leg and a half i get a little concerned i'm sorry i just be concerned about that yeah (laughs) well who who would have thought um so i i mean you know like but honestly if if volby does do that i mean like you want to talk about the most like heroic performances the most incredible for i mean that would even probably in my top 10 i imagine um anyways let's move i want to talk about speaking of things that leave me a little scratching my head there's a few of these here everlyn kemboy (laughs) is in the 1500 5k 10k double i'm missing something like i'm absolutely i'm here for it do every race See how much, see how many races you can qualify for nationals for. What are we like? 
I think Kemboy's been great this year. She has. I have been her. She's been awesome. I think we were even like, hey, you know who would win the 10K national title if it draws her away? Yeah. Could be Kemboy. I don't think we have her favored, but I think we're no. like, it could happen. I think you and I both think like, it could happen. Why are we doing this? Like, why are you going to run a 1500 prelim, race the 10K that same night? Like, why would you jeopardize that? And then run the 1500 finals and then run the 5k i think what later that same night is it is it that same night i think so and that doesn't like that doesn't make sense the 1500 is clearly not her best event you know yes she has a 412 altitude conversion just do the 10k 5k because what happens and she's not but what happens if she qualifies for all three Yeah, she's not. She's not. I will be shocked if she does. I'll I'll make a public apology on this podcast if she does. But yeah, it's a weird it's a weird thing to do, and and you almost wonder if there's like if they're worried about her not qualifying for the five k, maybe, and they want to continue. Like I I don't know. There there really doesn't make there isn't anything that makes a whole lot of sense because she's a as much of a lock to make it in the 10k as pretty much anybody in the country. Um, and you would feel similarly about her in the 5k. Like I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I, I mean, listen, if she, if she's able to qualify in all three, like all of, like I'm really, to be very clear, I'm rooting for her to qualify oh, in all three. I would love be, to see it. I would love to see it. It'd be so cool. I don't think it's going to happen. I would be blown away if that happens. But but it'd be really cool. So, um, don't understand it. Um, another thing I don't understand, Juliet Whitaker scratching the 15 from the 800. What were your thoughts when you saw that? Or, scratch, sorry, scratching, scratching the, fi- uh, the 8 the, for the 1500. Run. Yeah, this was fascinating. And I, I think this is done thinking that Tui is not running the 1500. I think that was probably, I, I'm going to guess that, that was, there was some thought in that because if you have the at Willis that you think can win the national title and you want to give Whitaker a chance at winning a national title, then I, under, I, I can understand the logic. I, that doesn't mean I support it because I think this is something you do in two or three years when maybe Willis has won two or three 800 titles and Whitaker just can't break through and you want to give her the opportunity to finally win that individual title. It seems early to be trying to split them up at this point in their career. Um, Especially since, I mean, Whitaker has looked good in, in the 1500 in the mile, but she hasn't ever looked like a dominant title favorite kind of racer in that event i i was this was probably one of the more surprising things that i saw i again i i can understand the logic to a degree i just don't think that this season is the season to do it the way i i rationalized this or tried to rationalize it and i couldn't in the regional article was okay maybe stanford wants team points right yeah maybe stanford wants to split them up and you get a title winner in the 1500 in Juliet Whitaker and a title winner in Rogine Willis, Rogine and Willis, excuse me. Um, and you get 10 points each. But, but that is super unlikely. And yeah. frankly, so you're like, okay, well then, you know, what, then what does Whitaker have a higher chance of doing? Does she have a higher chance of finishing the top half all American spots at the 800 meters or the top half all American spots at the 1500 meters? Well, the answer is still 800 meters. So yeah, maybe you don't want to converge your points all in one and in one race, but why? It's still the best shot to get the most points, like probability-wise, I imagine. And and that's what kind of confuses me. Like, I, I don't understand that entirely. Like, you have two legitimate title contenders who are probably at no worst going to finish fourth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Their, their floor in that event is so much higher than in the 1500. And, and like, Maybe the race is tactical and, and the 1500 and having being that great under 800 meter runner will come off like be be a huge benefit. Um, but with I mean, you think about just how loaded this 1500 meter now is that Tui and Florida are running in it. You got Olivia Howell, um, the indoor mile champion. You have 
I mean, the Oregon duo. Um, you just have so many top, top contenders in the 1500 meter, whereas the 800, you had a top four, and really it was a top three, um, and then everybody else. And that's just not what the position she's going to be in in the 1500 meters. And maybe they, hey, maybe they know something we don't. Maybe they're seeing something in practice that we aren't. They have done an exceptional job, the coaching staff has, with this freshman duo. They have hit all the right notes. They did the D- They had them double back on the DMR and did way better than we really ever expected. They, I, I have been so excited to see and happy to see what the success these two have done right from the from the get go. But this seems like the first big misstep. And not only that, but like you have Melissa Tanaka in the fifteen hundred too. Yeah. So like, what, like what, like what is the the balance there it's like well we don't want if, if it's and i'm not saying that this is the case but if the assumption is we don't want to have willis interrupted by whitaker or vice versa then we're moving into so what about tanaka who ran 409 yeah. is probably an all-american uh favorite right now so it's like it, it's a give and take um but i, I just with all of this being said I, I think whitaker could be an all-american absolutely oh yeah I, I just, yeah, and I, I think, like like I said, in the right race, I don't think she's going to beat Tui, but she could challenge and be there right there for a second um, if everything breaks right, um, which ultimately would probably be what she would be finishing in the 800. So I, it, they just got to hope that everything breaks right for her. Uh, one last one, unless we want to talk about more about the Alabama duo of trolling out all the bomb way. Just, just an interesting one that I, I do think caught a little bit of attention here. Jordan McIntosh. I saw him initially on the coaches review entry. So for those who aren't aware, Portland state steeplechaser, he's run eight thirty nine this year and eight forty one uh, in the steeplechase. Uh, I believe a graduate transfer from Minnesota. Um, when he was in the entries, I didn't see a scratch or an accepted entry like lettering next to his name. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. Let's see what happens there. And then sure enough, the official entries come out. His name isn't listed at all. What is said on Instagram, and this is again, only what is said on Instagram. This is, uh, you know, by I just want to be by, by him. This was said by him. So I just want to be very clear about where this is coming from. Um, has said that apparently Portland State coaches um, did not meet requirements to have 14 men or to at least have 14 races in the men's, I don't know what the specifics are, through eight meets during the 2023 indoor and outdoor track seasons in order for him to be eligible and allow him to compete in the NCAA postseason, in this case, the NCAA West Regional Championships. Because they did not meet those requirements, because there's a coaching staff change, um, people left, they didn't have enough personnel, they weren't capable of doing so. I believe Katie Camarena, uh, the former Portland State standout, who's now training, uh, I believe, with like Ellie Hennis and Ham Steelman down uh, Flagstaff, um, she had mentioned that apparently, and again, this is all just according to what they're saying, that the staff knew in February. <laughs> It's hard to comment on this because I think we it, it's, it's important to talk about it because it's it's a surprising development and a big development. And if this happened at any other school like Oregon, people would be losing their minds, right? Um, but I also, we only have one side of the story. Do I have reason to believe that it's false? No. Um, there's obvi- like Obviously, he couldn't race for some reason. Sounds like we have the reason. It just would be surprising to me that you don't know about this until the entries come out. And if that's the case, it's like, what happened? Like, how, how does that happen? And, and that's what confuses me. It's like, did, did no one tell McIntosh that he wasn't going to be able to compete? And if so, like, I, I don't know what the intricacies are. I'm not going to pretend like I do. I, I can't imagine how frustrating that would be. Yeah, I, the ruling that he said, what, or the, the issue was they did not meet the NCAA requirement of racing 14 men at eight different track meets during the school year. Um, and I mean, that's something that I think, whether you know the specifics or not, like, you, like I, a lot of athletes know that there's that kind of requirement because there's certain meets on the schedule where you just 
you, they, they're on there just to meet the quota. Um, that's certainly the case when I was in school. I knew about this rule. I for sure knew my coaches knew about it. So there is either, there's, there's one of two things. The coaches knew and just did nothing about it and didn't say anything about it. That, I think, in my opinion, is the worst of all of all of these possibilities, if that's the case. And, and again, we're, we're, we're speculating based off of a one-sided story at this point. But if, if that's the case, that is, I think, the genuinely the worst. And it is horrible that he ha- is having to pay the consequences. Second, the second option is they didn't know. They messed up. They made a mistake. They didn't realize it till last second. And the NCAA made a ruling according to its rules. And that sucks too. But like, I, there's no, I, that's just an accident that should have, could have been avoided. Either way, there was nothing he did wrong. No. And yet he's the one who's facing the consequences, which someone has to. And because this is clearly a mistake, clearly probably a rule was broken, but it just seems silly that he has to be the one that that's facing. It's silly, but I, I get it too. You know what I mean? Like, it's silly. It's ridiculous. We're like, really? But well, then they it's should like, be well, banned we're... from next year, like or something. Like they're they're I I don't know. I don't, like, know, then, I don't know. Would you want to like penalize then all the new athletes coming in? Like I don't think that would be fair. I'm I'm just saying. I think it's in in this incident. It's like I think you should just have your eyes wide open. Like you should know. Like there's a penalty. Oh well, yeah. I mean yeah. I mean they obviously like yeah. Whatever happened, they should have known. Right. shouldn't have happened right like obviously that's that's not the argument we're having it's the what really should happen and it's is it fair to jordan no he did nothing wrong this is not his his problem based on what we know it doesn't sound like it is but also like what's the penalty then right like how like what's the penalty and it's not fair um but yeah. like you you see the internal conflict mm-hmm. that i'm sure like you know everyone who's probably thinking about the situation too is facing not fair to jordan at all um i I do know i think there was another d2 school um i don't know know enough about this where similar thing didn't have the 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 meet requirements it's it's a smaller program too and one of their athletes couldn't go to the national meet because of it um it happens and like this is i don't think this isn't the first time and unfortunately this probably won't be the last time either it's unfortunate no, and you just hope that this gets publicized enough to the point that like people are aware of it, and like coaches are more like are double checking their schedules, double checking their entries, and and are being more cognizant of it. It's just, and again, like I, athletes know about like this rule, and whether they know about the, well, I, I don't think they all do. No, and, I, I that's, and not do. I'm not saying that all of them do, but I'm saying that even if some athletes know it, then all coaches should know. Like, I, I think that's my that's my larger point is like if me, Joe Schmo, student athlete knew about it, then I would sure as hope that my coaches would. You weren't a Joe Schmo. OK, <laughs> like let's, let's be a little be a little careful here. You got to the regional. You got to the fifteen hundred meter finals in the same year as Yard and the Goose. All right, I don't want to hear Joe Schmo from you. I am Joe Schmo. I don't even think I'm good enough to be Joe Schmo. OK, so. <laughs> But we'll end it there on the high point of me not even being going, uh, good enough to be Joe Schmell. <laughs> Do you have anything further that you wanted to address? No, no. I am struggling through my regional predictions right now because yeah. it is tough. There are some really, really uh, good events this year um, that are very, very hard to make some cuts about who's not even going to make it to the national meet that I think in a lot of years could have all American like contender status. So it, it is going to be a bloodbath out there this week at regionals. There's going to be some big surprises. I have no doubt. Um, be curious to see what happens. Yeah. There's also events where I'm like, I get nine of my 12 names in and I was like, I don't think anyone else should go. Was it going to say that? But yes, that there's, those not, I too. never said which events I never said, which events, um, but I do feel that way. I get to nine names in and say, eh, this, should, this should be it. Um, but but regardless, that's what makes this so much fun. Um, I also think that like trying to pick the 12 names 
for this, I want to know what the probability of that is compared to like March Madness. Because mm-hmm. the March Madness, like in a perfect bracket, it's like a four quintillion whatever. I'm certain for a fact that oh. getting every regional qualifier has to be far harder like way harder i remember we almost got we got like 11 out of 12 in the women's 10k last year and we were like we're so good at this we're so good at our jobs and that was one event for one region for one gender it has to be harder because there's so many more way more variables slots and yeah 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 so um so look out for i mean if, if you're listening to this on wednesday that's probably out by now our predictions should be. Um, we've got uh, Isaac Bastion, Lane 9 interview. Great interview. It was really good. I, he was awesome. Uh, go check that out for subscribers. We'll eventually put it on our YouTube. Um, but for now, we do have Alex Phillip interview. Um, the D3 uh, star who was actually heading to UNC uh, next fall, this fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, we have an interview with him from Brett. We have a few other things I'm going to upload um, from the Utah State meet. That we have, we had a guy heading out there grabbing some video content interviews there, uh, as well as a uh, Kenneth Rooks uh, Q and A. Uh, as well, we have D two D three previews. It's a whole story. We got news. We got transfer stuff. Like Ben, stop me. I'm on a roll. Um, but that is all I have before I exhaust myself. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. Like I said at the top of the show, we have a lot coming up the next few weeks. It's going to yeah. be really exciting. So buckle up. We're going to be with you every step of the way. But until we are done and ready to hit the offseason, Garrett, I'll talk to you next week. I'll talk to you.